0: We'll make a start, and just while people are settling, um, I'll just introduce myself. And um, just what a great morning we've had so far. Um, I'm hoping this afternoon is going to bless you and really encourage you. Um, just by way of introduction, I'm Anna, as Hannah's already introduced. Um, I'm married to Stuart. We've got two children, Charlotte, who's nine, and Daniel, who's five. Um, I've been at Hope Church here in Ipswich for the last 14 years, and just in my spare time, in my work part-time at Switch Hospital with people that have got neuro, um, long-term neurological conditions. I work as a physiotherapist. And um, so this afternoon we're going to be thinking about being rooted and fruitful. We're carrying on our theme. And I must admit, when I was first kind of thinking about the theme about abiding in God and being rooted and fruitful, my first reaction was very much... That's great. It's great to be fruitful. When life is good and all's going well, it's great. We can be fruitful and life is good. And as soon as that thought entered my head, God really challenged me and said, It's not just about when times are good, it's about being rooted in God and bearing fruit. fruit, fruit. Through all seasons um, of our lives and that really was the challenge for me and God started speaking to me about some of the things that i had been through and the ways that he'd been kind of steering me and um, growing me really through those difficult times the Bible's really clear it says that you will face trials of many kinds and there's no reason for us to think that that's you know we're excluded from that it happens to us all How do we go about staying rooted in Christ and bearing the fruit amidst all the trials and adversity that we face? Um, Trials of many kinds does mean exactly that. And yeah, we should expect that almost in our walk with God. And it might be that your personal trial might be maybe a health trial. um, It might be a financial difficulty. It might be a marriage or a relationship trial. It might be you've been through bereavement um, it could be that you're in, sort of facing unemployment at the moment. It, it could be any of those things. I'm certainly not claiming or even wanting <laughs> to be an expert in all of those things. But over the last five years, I've been through some sort of difficulties in, in health. I've had a few health trials. And I really want to use the experiences that I've been through over those five years just as a means <coughs> to kind of draw out some practical points of how we can stay rooted in Christ and bear fruit. Okay, so I part of what I'm going to talk about is my testimony, so I can talk to you about the experiences I've been through, and then I'm going to break in the middle to go through some of the practical points about how we can stay focused on God, and then we're going to finish up just drawing things together with the kind of finish of the testimony and how we can apply that. So... Whilst I'm talking, I want you to just be thinking a little bit about some of the trials that maybe you've either been through or that you're facing at the moment, and um, just be sort of drawing on those. If you want to jot them down, obviously you've got the the handouts there, mainly because I didn't know how many would see the screen, but um, do use those, do make notes on them, and if something comes to mind or something you are maybe going through, do jot it down because there'll be some points that you can perhaps add to that as we go through. So I just wanted to start with some verses from Psalm 1, which um, will be very familiar to you because we've heard them already this morning, (laughs) um, which is fantastic. And I was so encouraged upstairs to listen as various different points and things that I want to bring to your attention this afternoon have already come out, as so often happens when God is weaving together (laughs) his plan. So Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And I just think that's a really good grounding, isn't it, for us to start knowing knowing that as we kind of move into this. So just to introduce my story to you, my story starts about five years ago um, on the 25th of October in 2012. And that was the day that my son, Daniel Jack, Colbert was born um, life was good at that point I, I just had this my second baby we were happy the family was going well and life was good and we were sort of just edging into that normal chaos that you have with a newborn um, and three weeks into that when he was just three weeks old I one Sunday evening just came across something that didn't feel right in my abdomen I just something just wasn't quite right it was a hard area it didn't feel like it should do and I just assumed only being three weeks having had a baby that it was some kind of postnatal complication and arranged to go and see the GP the next day and I was somewhat surprised when I went to see the GP and he looked rather alarmed and uttered the words to the student who happened to be in the room that this was a large abdominal mass and for any of you that have either heard those words or even just hearing them now it's enough to kind of send shivers down your spine really and I had no idea what they were talking about I assumed they must have made a mistake because I've just had this baby it was a really difficult time and they wanted to admit me to hospital straight away so I had all the technical difficulties of having a three week baby and trying to sort out childcare for this baby I'd never left. And um, it was quite a difficult time, as you can probably imagine. And I remember going to the admissions ward at the hospital and just sitting, waiting. It was the busiest day of the year. They were queued out the door and we had to sit and wait. And I remember scrolling through my phone, just clicking on all these numbers of people that I could text and just get people behind me praying. Um, I knew that I needed that prayer support. I knew that I'd got friends at church and at home and family that would be behind me. Um, praying for me even in the midst of something I didn't really know the next six weeks were filled with hospital appointments and various tests and different things because they wanted to find out the nature of this mass that they'd found what was going on where it was and all this sort of details and at every stage of those weeks um, I was looking to God thinking this must be some kind of test any minute it will all turn around for good they'll say they've made a mistake Um, it was someone else's scan or it's something else is going on and it'll all be fine and I really believed that I believed that God would turn it around that things would change and as we started kind of going further down this line it got a bit more tricky because we seemed to be getting a bit more into it than I wanted to and Ipswich Hospital decided it was a bit more complicated than they could really deal with and they referred me to Addenbrooke's Hospital at Cambridge which in itself kind of was ringing more alarm bells as it went on And Adam Brooks discovered, through various tests that they did, that I had a large cystic tumour that was attached to my pancreas. And if any of you have got any kind of medical background or knowledge at all, you'll know that any kind of tumour is not a good thing for a start when they start banding those words around. And anything sort of linked with the pancreas also is really not very good. And the prognosis if we're talking honestly the prognosis and life expectancy of those two things together is really not good so you can understand that I was feeling somewhat alarmed I had a little bit of knowledge and the kind of knowledge I didn't really want to have at that point in time as time went past and things were getting worse I was looking to go on just feeling a bit confused Um, I couldn't understand why it was still going on why things were still happening Um, I often would kind of rant I'm afraid to God, and sometimes cry, and sometimes just kind of shout out His name. You know, come on! I've just got this baby and this three-year-old girl, and we're happily married. This must be wrong. You're you're not doing it right, God. Mm. Um, and I even uttered those words and was just desperate. And I remember one day, um, just in my house, alone with the kids, just falling to my knees in the kitchen and just calling out the name of Jesus, because that was the only thing that I could think of to do that would give me any kind of comfort. That somehow just shouting out the name of Jesus was able to distract me from the things that were going on in my mind. And so I did, I ranted, I cried, I shouted out, I did all sorts of things. But then I realized that actually, I'd got to surrender my family to God. The reason it was such a turmoil was because I was trying to hold on to everything. I like to be in control and managing what's going on. And I knew that I couldn't do that, that God was calling me to actually offer my family up to him. Um, Daniel might have only been, I don't know what he was then, six weeks or whatever he was, but I knew I'd got to offer him to God and trust him to look after them, that he could do a better job regardless of what happened to me and regardless of what process I had to go through. And I felt very much at that point, um, a bit like Abraham really, taking Isaac. Um, to the altar and saying, God, I give this to you. I don't know whether I'm going to get it back. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm trusting you that if I give it to you, you'll oversee things and sort them out. And so that was the place that I got to. And on the 27th of December of that year, I had to have an endoscopic biopsy at Addenbrooke's, which really was just giving them some idea of what was going on. And then on New Year's Eve um, 2012 into 13. I think that was probably the most difficult New Year that I've ever lived through. Um, I had a phone call from Adam Brooks that day, um, from the specialist nurse, just with the results of the biopsy that they'd taken. And they explained a little bit about what they were looking at, the sort of readings of things. And they said that they'd be concerned if the cancer count, which is what they were looking at, was somewhere in the region of 1 or 200, that would be a concern that they would want to do further tests and that we should probably, you know, treat it very seriously. The sample that they took from the cyst inside me showed a cancer count that wasn't one or two hundred, but it actually came back as ten thousand. And obviously you can appreciate the news was somewhat devastating. And they basically were explaining to me that it was a very serious situation. They were trying to prepare me for the worst and were basically saying, in all likelihood, this is cancer, and you're gonna have a long road ahead of you. And they said it in no uncertain terms really. They invited me to meet the surgeon the following week to make plans for surgery, which I needed to have very quickly. And this was New Year's Eve. <laughs> and Stuart and I spent that new year just on our knees before God, just wondering what on earth was gonna happen. And I knew at that point that I had a decision to make and for me the decision was either I move into this new year full of fear, full of anxiety and not really knowing what's going on or I can take the decision to put my trust completely in God and don't get me wrong that wasn't an easy decision to come to but I knew that there wasn't really a choice, it had had to happen And I got to the point where I could say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm trusting you with this. I'm trusting you with my life and I'm trusting you with my family. And a few verses sort of helped me really to kind of come to that point. And in Psalm 91, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And in Daniel chapter three, I love the book of Daniel. One of the reasons my son is called Daniel. (laughs) Daniel chapter 3, verses um, 17 and 18. It says, I trust God to to deliver me. And even if he doesn't, I'm going to trust him. And that was how I had to move into the new year. It was, I can't do this in my own strength. I don't make sense of it myself. I'm trusting God because whatever happens, he's going to see us through this. So, moving on in the story, we're nearly at the end of this chapter, I hope you're with me still. So on the 30th of January um, in 2013, I was admitted to Adam Brooks for extensive abdominal surgery, um, where they wanted to remove the tumour, part of my pancreas that it was attached to, um, and they had to remove the whole of my spleen as well. And just a couple of other verses that I found really helpful as I moved into that phase. In Psalm 139, verse 7, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. And so it goes on. And just that certainty that wherever I went, I knew that God was going with me. I couldn't escape his love or his presence, that he would follow me wherever I went and in Isaiah v- chapter 26 and verse three, it says, you will keep in perfect peace those <laughs> whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just found there were, there were Bible verses and things that just kind of really help you along the way. And whilst you're in the midst of kind of turmoil, there's always little snippets of things, whether it's a worship song or a verse or something that comes to just keep you, keep you going. So, I want to pause from my story there for a, for a moment and just explain some of the practical points about how, how we deal with these sort of difficult circumstances and how we can stay rooted in Christ in the midst of the storm. And over the last five years, I've come across a few books that have been really helpful um, that I want to commend to you. Some, one of them certainly is in the book sale um, upstairs in the bookshop, and they've really sort of channeled my thinking. Firstly, um, Holly Wagner's book. I don't know if you've come across it. Um, When it pours, he rains. And it's really talking about overcoming life's storms, funnily enough. And as I was reading it, it put together so many of the things that I'd been feeling and the thoughts that I'd kind of had. And there it all was in a book, which was great. So I'd really recommend that. Some really practical points about how to get through difficult times. Um, And another book. You might have come across this naturally supernatural by um, Wendy Mann, really good book, I'd thoroughly recommend that, and The Supernatural Ways of Royalty, I don't know if you've seen that one, Um, and that's by Christopher Lotton and Bill Johnson, but really, really good books, and I've got some more um, to recommend in a moment too. Um, A few thoughts about storms before we start looking at practical points. So when you encounter a storm, and we know that we're all going to do that, Don't take it personally because storms come to us all. They're part of the curriculum of life, so we know we're going to sort of go through them. And they're essential for our growth. In Romans 5, verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And I love worship and singing. I, I could spend all day worshipping God. I just think it's great. And I really became aware of the words of some of the songs that I was singing. And you might have picked up on some of those this morning. There's been so much that's kind of been weaved into our morning. But one of them I just wanted to um, mention was a song by songs called Oceans. And this was one that really kind of challenged me. And just some of the words, it says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. And I think for a long time I'd been merrily singing these words along, and then all of a sudden it was there, right in front of me. I was being led deeper than I'd really wanted to go. And my, yeah, it... Looking back on it now I can see that it's made me stronger, but at the time it's just so yeah, just watch out what you sing. (laughs) So we're on to our five points now. Um, and these are your five pointers really for getting through the storm. The first thing, get your thinking straight. Really, really important. It's so important for us to be clear about who God is and who we are in God if we're gonna survive any storm. Um, If you're not currently riding a storm, then I suggest you really look into this because it will serve you so well. Um, Wendy Mann's book, this one, um, devotes the opening chapters to knowing who God is and knowing who we are, and it's such a helpful read. So if you're looking for some material to kind of get you keyed into getting your eyes fixed on who God is and really being aware of who we are in God, then I'd really recommend that. and the supernatural ways of royalty, which is the other one that I mentioned, really looks at who we are um, as in our identity as children of the King of Kings. So they're two really good resources for really getting our focus um, fixed in that way. So Wendy Mann in her book describes two main categories of lies that the devil loves to feed us, because he wants to throw us off course at every opportunity. So he's looking to feed lies to us that mean that we don't really hold on to the truth that God wants us to take hold of. And these two forms of lies are lies about who God is, his nature, his character and his heart, and also lies about who God says that we are, which challenges our identity in Christ. And we need to train ourselves to identify and ignore the lies and choose instead to believe the truth about who God is and who he says that we are. So the enemy feeds us lies about who God is by making us focus um, on where are we, focusing on our circumstances. So for example, God doesn't provide for me because I'm trapped in financial debt, so you're looking at what's directly in front of you. God doesn't heal me because I'm still sick. Um, God doesn't love me because, you know, my marriage is falling apart, and it's looking at what's directly in front of you without keeping your eyes fixed um, entirely on God. So thinking back to your storm and the things that you've been kind of processing, what lies are you being told? Are you being fed lies from the devil that challenge taking your eyes off of God and who he is to getting caught up in your circumstances and the difficulties that you're facing? Yeah, just a challenge to kind of get you thinking. So our agreement with the enemy's lies attacks our ability to, to understand and trust the unwavering goodness of God. The truth is that God is perfect in every way and that his nature never changes. Now we've spent a long time singing about that this morning, haven't we? About the goodness of God. And that's the truth of it. God is perfect in every way and that doesn't change whatever it is that we're facing. So it's important for us to declare the truth, to remember that God is good and it doesn't depend on our circumstances. He is good. In Romans 8, it says our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So to make it through the storms, our lives have got to be built on truth and not just facts. We have to brace ourselves with the truth and don't let the facts mess you up. So Romans 8 verse 38 says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, Angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the next point I want to make is about listening respectfully, but holding very lightly to the things that people say. And I was really challenged on this when when the consultant and the nurse were saying to me, the fact is that your cancer count is 10,000 and that's not good. I had to make a decision to kind of hold on to that lightly. I wanted to respect them because obviously they're experts in their field. So I had to kind of hold it there because that's what they're saying is the fact. But actually the truth that I wanted to hold on to is that God is bigger than that and God is the healer. And that's what I want to focus my attention on. And it might be for you that you're listening to somebody medical telling you something. (coughs) Um, It might be that you're sitting down with the bank manager and it's the bank manager saying, the fact is that actually you've got no money in your account at all or that you're overdrawn. That's the fact. But are you going to focus on that or are you going to focus on the God who is Jehovah Jireh Mm -hmm. and he will provide for you? Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. It's looking at, are you going to focus on the facts or are you going to focus on God and what he can do in your situation it might be that you're seeing a relationship counsellor and they're saying well let me just tell you the fact is that you two are not getting on and that's you know your marriage isn't compatible because you're not getting on are you going to listen to that or are you going to believe in the God that brings restoration to relationships and it's just getting our focus isn't it it's it's okay observing the facts but it's actually believing in the God that can turn those things around so God is sovereign his word is true and his ways are higher regardless of your circumstances so that's our first point that is the longest one the rest are a little bit shorter so firstly our first point is done and that's getting our thinking straight secondly we're going to think about getting stuck into God's family so this is another principle when you're riding the storm and even when you're not it's good to get stuck into god's family as good preparation for that so we're not created to go through life alone we need others to help us get through the tough times so we need to build relationships we need to invest in them because we need each other and i always find it interesting that from the cross when jesus was facing the probably the biggest storm of all mankind um when he was on the cross He actually reached down called to someone and asked for a drink. And part of me sort of looks at that and thinks, if Jesus needed to reach down and actually ask someone for help and ask someone for something, then surely that's an example for us. When we're in our storms and in our difficult times, there are times when we actually have to reach out and ask people to help. And that's quite difficult. So build relationships, we need each other. Acknowledging our need of each other is crucial to our survival. And like I said earlier, one of the first things I did when I got to hospital was flicking through, texting as many people as I could because I knew that I'd got friendships and relationships and people that would want to be behind me and certainly people I wanted to be behind me um, in prayer. Work on friendships and relationships all of the time. Make it part of your life. Um, whether that's, you know, whatever it is you're doing, going on the school run, meeting together with friends after school, having meals together, catching up at the weekends. Make it part of your life so that you're constantly building relationships and getting to know people. Holly says in her book, when you're in a storm and you're looking for a familiar face, you'll find one with whom you've taken the time to build a meaningful relationship. And that's so true, isn't it? When you're in the midst of kind of stuff going on, you're going to go to people that you've built relationship with and and find the sort of friendly face there. So draw strength from meeting together, from worshipping together, from being in God's presence together and just doing life together. It's so important and it's such a help. Third point. Third point, we're moving on. And this is a bit of a funny one. I couldn't think what to call it. So it's steady on and sink your anchors. (laughs) And hopefully that will become apparent as we go through. Um, And Holly again says in her book, Midnight moments when we can't see the shore, the storms are raging, they're not the time to be setting a new course. And the reason I kind of put this in here is because that's exactly what I tried to do (laughs) when I was in hospital. So I'm in Edinburgh; so I'm recovering from surgery. And I felt really disillusioned, if I'm honest. I was in a hospital setting, which I was familiar with, but not usually that way round. I felt really disillusioned. These people that were meant to be caring for me were coming along and sticking needles in me and doing things that hurt. And I went through a period of time where I just thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't go back into a hospital when this is my experience of being in a hospital when it's been this horrible and people are doing things that they needed to do I hasten to add Mm -hmm. but um, things that just made me feel painful and uncomfortable it just felt so wrong and I was all geared up to write my letter of resignation from the hospital bed at why I couldn't possibly go back and had I not kind of steadied on a bit then that's what I would have done and obviously now I'm quite grateful I haven't um, but yeah I think there is sometimes a temptation when you're in the midst of it you kind of think what can I do, where can I go, what, what do I need to do and actually that's not the time to be doing it that's when you just need to take stock, steady on, just pause for a moment and one of the things that, w- yeah don't make life changing decisions one of the things that we can do which um, Holly recommends in her book and I'm using a lot of their material because you know that's all good she suggests that there are four anchors that we need to sink when we're in difficult times. And some of these we've covered already, so it's really just bringing it together. So firstly, know your purpose, um, whose and who, who and whose you are. Um, she says, I don't want to be the one stumbling through life not knowing what's going on, so I better make sure I know who and whose I am. Secondly, a church home. So we've touched on this already when talking about relationships. Don't make church a place where you just go and spend an hour on a Sunday. Make it somewhere where you dwell, where you spend time with people, where you work on relationships. And it should be a place where real people with real lives and real problems find real aid as they worship a real God. Thirdly, so the third anchor we're going to sink is that of courage. It takes strength and bravery to trust him when the storms of life are crashing around you. So stand firm courage is not the absence of fear all right it's not the absence of fear it's not quitting in spite of it yeah so courage is not the absence of fear it's not quitting in spite of fear and fourthly focus so we can't lose sight of the shore all right so be grateful for our emotions again we've heard this already but we need to be grateful for them they are helpful to us but we can't be led by them. It's no use kind of going this way and that and just kind of following on after our emotions. That's not going to be helpful for us. So during the storm that you're facing, are you focusing on the wind and the waves that are battering you about or are you changing your focus onto what he has done? He's seen you through all sorts of storms in the past and he's going to see you through the storm that you're in or approaching or the next one that comes along. One of the other um, songs that I find really helpful, I could talk all day about songs that I find helpful, but I'm trying to limit it. So Simon Brading has written a song, You Never Change, and it makes that reference, doesn't it, to steady my heart, steady my soul. You're the Lord, you're faithful, you're good. And I just find that so helpful. In the midst when everything's going on, you're just calling out to God, just calling for that anchor, for that steadying, just for that kind of guidance. And I just find that really helpful. So fourthly, our fourth point, get stuck into God. Really important that we get stuck into God. And the ways that we can do this, we can do this through word and worship. And I'd just like to say when I was in the middle of my storm, studying the Bible and reading great long chapters and having deep in-depth times, it didn't happen <laughs> it just didn't happen my head was not in the right place to do that i couldn't concentrate on even a glossy magazine so reading the bible in depth was not something i found very easy now that's not to say that you might be, i mean you might be very good at that but i didn't find that very easy and i had to find ways of reading the bible because i knew that it was good for me i knew that's what i needed but the ways that i did it i tended to pick up an old bible that had got lots of highlighted bits in And I'd read all the highlighted bits that I'd put in, verses that had spoken to me in the past, things that were sort of meaningful. And I found that so much easier when you don't kind of have to work hard through things. It was just an easy way for me to get stuck into things I found useful. Favourite verses that I'd learnt as a child in Sunday school, you know, bringing them back to mind. It's those kind of things that are helpful short daily reading type notes again really helpful where you're just like one verse a little explanation a bit of a prayer to just kind of keep you focused and certainly something i found another book certainly i found very useful is this book by tim keller and he's just going through it's like a a page for every day of the year and it's based on the psalms this particular one um, a Year of Daily <coughs> Devotions, and it's just so helpful, particularly for difficult times. It's going through the Psalms, so it's it's giving you really good guidance on things to watch out for. Um, let's see if I can just find something to read off the <coughs> for you. Um, yeah, teaching us how to pray and to spiritually handle every possible life situation and how to know God through it. It's a good book. But something like that that's just going to keep you focused and keep you um, sort of switched in and tuned in to God. And one of the other things that I found really helpful was using, it sounds a bit daft, scripture as medicine. Um, In hospital they were coming around about three or four times a day with a little pot for me of pills that I had to take and things to go in drips and all sorts. And I knew that they were doing their best for my physical body to get it as best it could to recovery, um, to to do it good. And I knew that I had to take the same approach to my spiritual self, that I needed to be doing things to do it good. And at the time, I couldn't really think a lot. I I just needed something I could do. And before I went into hospital, somebody gave me the chapter um, from Psalm, Psalm 91, that I made reference to earlier. And I decided when I was in hospital, I was going to take that like medicine. So every day in the morning, I'd get up. I'd be sitting in my bed, usually in quite a lot of pain first thing in the morning. I'd flick open Psalm 91 and I would read it. And I wouldn't just look at the words and think, oh, that's good, and park it up. I would actually sit there, I'd read it out loud. I wanted to hear it, I wanted to speak it out, I wanted to declare some of the stuff that was in it, and I wanted to be teaching myself. And I found that really helpful. And I ended up, I did that three times a day, reading it out loud. They probably thought I was a nutter in the hospital, I didn't really care. um, And I kept that going for at least, I mean, I certainly remember six weeks after I came home, every day, three times, just reading it through, reading it through. Mm. Some bits in there that I was reminding God of. I like to remind him about a few things. And there was some things in there about having long life. And that's what I wanted to remind him. And um, I just found that really helpful. And you might find something similar um, helpful. Soak yourself in worship. I can't emphasise that enough either. Um, Listen to it, sing it out, meditate on it, just go over songs that are helpful to you. I had, in the Christmas, just before I went into hospital, I was given the latest New Day album as a Christmas present. And I had that on my iPod, and it just was on continuous play, really, the whole time. But there was so much in there that was just so helpful, just... I didn't find it particularly easy to pray, but using the words that other people have put together that could just utter my kind of heart feeling to God, using reminding me of truths and things, it was so so helpful. And one of the songs on that particular album, Christ Alone, Cornerstone, Weak made strong in the Saviour's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. And there's just so much in, in so many of those songs. There were just things that really kind of leapt out to me. And it was like, yes, 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 that's, that's where I'm at. And that's just so helpful. We've got such a wealth of worship music that we have access to. Make use of it. Um, use your Spotify accounts or whatever they happen to be and just really tap into really helpful um, worship music like that. And just the last point in this sort of fourth section, it's allowing close friends to bring you words of wisdom, encouragements, prophecy that are going to help to direct you towards God. Okay, so that's really helpful. Trusted friends that you have, just allow them to kind of point you to God. So we're going to go back to my story in a moment, but if you need to just stand up, I feel a bit bad as a physio watching you all sit there with still. So if you just need to stand up and move about, that's fine. And we'll carry on in the story in just two seconds. Okay. Yes, I feel a bit blind. I feel like you ought to have had kind of flight socks as you came in. (laughs) That wasn't in the budget today, I'm afraid. (laughs) Okay, so just going back to my story, so we kind of left off where I'd just gone into hospital. I'd gone in to have this surgery done. And the surgery went ahead on the 30th of January. They did this big operation. And the cyst that they removed in surgery, I can't remember the exact dimensions that they told me, but I do remember what he had likened it to because it was helpful for me. And um, he basically said that the thing that they'd removed... Now, you might have thought this was just because I was thirsty... But the thing that they removed in surgery, he said, was the size of two cans of drink on end, which I just was staggered about, um, so the tumour that they removed was about that size. Um, yeah, it blows my mind a bit when I think about it. The cells didn't appear to have spread that they found, it looked like it was contained within this thing um, that they'd found, and and so with I had 46 staples for those that are interested, an incision measuring about 20 centimetres in one direction, 18 in the other, so it was fairly hefty and quite a lot to get over. And following several days on intensive care, I I made it home in seven days, which I just find incredible. Um, And I had had a wound drain in, I had some post-op complications and nobody, they said, had ever made it home in less time than that, even with no complications. So it was really a bit of a miracle on that front, to say the least. And they removed, obviously, part of my pancreas where this was attached to. And they described the pancreas as being a very sensitive organ to me and that actually it can go into shock. So when anything's done around it, it can stop functioning, basically. And so they were monitoring me very closely for that. But despite all of this, its functions remained intact. I didn't need any enzymes to help me digest... I didn't need any insulin because I hadn't become diabetic, amazingly. And, and I was discharge, discharged home within seven days. I had to move back to my parents' house um, at this point with the children because I still needed 24-hour supervision and support and certainly I was not able to care or even really interact with the children at that stage. Um, Stuart had to return to work, Um, he does shift work as a police officer, so it just wasn't feasible for me to go home, I had to be somewhere where I was going to be looked after. So it was difficult times, I mean hospital was difficult and getting home was still pretty difficult too. And after some weeks the full biopsy results came back from the hospital, so it was another phone call from the nurse. And um, this is the same nurse that phoned to tell me this terrible 10,000 reading, and that it was just all very dismal. And much to everyone's confusion and delight, the results that they had back actually showed that the tumour wasn't cancerous, which seemed to be a bit mysterious, really, having <laughs> having taken the sample and found that, it, yeah, it was all a bit of a mystery. And she was somewhat confused, and it it did register low-grade dysplasia, as they call it, which is the kind of pre-cancerous cells. But the implications of that are quite sort of major, really. Um, It meant that I didn't have to have any further follow-up in terms of radiotherapy, chemotherapy... I didn't have to go through any of that at all. So it was such a blessing, not least to kind of have things completely turned around and turned on their head, to mystify the medics, which is always a bit satisfying, isn't it? Um, (laughs) But to know that actually God had protected me from having to go through, you know, potentially a lot more treatment. Six weeks later, I had the drain removed finally and I was able to get home. And with the support of family and friends, I started to kind of live life again. And at this point, I had to accept help from family and friends. At this point, I was kind of wanting to get out on my own and do stuff, but I was too weak to do that, and I had to ask for help and accept help when it was offered to me. I had people from church coming in with meals. I had people come to do my cleaning. I couldn't push a vacuum or iron or anything like that, so I had people coming in to do that. Um, I even had people, it was so humbling to think that people were going to do their daily job at work and they'd leave work and come around to my house so they could put Daniel to bed because I couldn't lift him into the cot. And it was even just simple things like that that made such a difference and that is why it's so important to be part of a community and to invest in relationships where you can call on people. And there were times as well, I mean obviously a lot of stuff was offered to me, but there were times when I had to seek out help and say actually this is what I really need. And that doesn't come easy does it, I don't know about you, but it's really hard to actually approach someone and say I'm struggling with this and this is what I need. But I think it can be so um, beneficial really that we, that we do that. Um, it can really help us um, to focus on God and, and what he can do to help um, to provide for us. So six months after that, just speeding through now, I had another CT scan to check on things and they were so happy that it all looked as it should look that they discharged me and said that they didn't need to see me again, which again, taking it six months earlier seemed another impossibility, but there I was, I was discharged. (laughs) So that um, that was absolutely great and such a relief. And I'd like to say that that was the end and I was kind of hoping that God would say, right, you've been through enough, that's it, we'll move on now, and and I'm sorry, but it doesn't work like that. And there have been other hitches along the way, and I've had a couple of incisional hernia repairs where the muscles were just very weak and couldn't cope, and I had another incident last year where I had some more abnormal cells, not at all related to the previous occasion, but just another hitch that kind of comes your way, and yeah I had to have treatment for that as well and yeah there are there have been other storms too that's just part of life isn't it and although I'd been honest with God through the storms I felt aware sometime later that there was still some disappointments that were kind of lurking I kind of moved from being desperately ill to suddenly being quite a bit better and just embracing that and it was all good and I'd kind of skipped through a bit of the kind of processing that I perhaps need needed to do. And um, yeah, one of the things, the disappointments I had to deal with was missing out on the first six months of Daniel's life. I felt really disappointed that in all of this, you know, this is probably my last baby and I'd missed out on a massive chunk um, of his life in those early sort of months and weeks. And it was only as I kind of processed and worked through that disappointment and was really honest with God about how I felt um, as a result of that, that I was able to shift my focus actually to the five years I've enjoyed of this life and it just changed my thinking slightly and um, yeah rather than focus on that disappointment it was actually looking at all the things I have been able to um, enjoy and Wendy Mann in her book says as Christians we can often jump from the trauma that we've experienced to the things to be thankful for in spite of difficult times without properly dealing with the pain that comes between and it's something that's really um, important for us to do So, we are so nearly there. Point five. We're going back to our points now. Um, Keep going. Remember who's on the throne. I think during a storm, we often... The temptation, I think, today is to look, isn't it? We've got to have a five-year plan. We've got to know where we're going. And during a storm, we stop living with that kind of distance in mind. We start living moment to moment. And it's just really to say that that's okay. It's okay to live moment to moment and not to be looking so far ahead know that as you weather your storm all the hosts of heaven are cheering you on it says in hebrews 12 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race marked out for us and i just have that kind of picture like probably many of you do the spectators of a marathon now i've never been to a marathon but we've all seen it on telly they're not kind of standing there and saying, "Oh." I don't think they're running particularly well. No, no. Oh, they've hit the wall there. Yeah. They're not standing there in judgment of how you're running the race. They're cheering you on. The audience are cheering people on that they don't even know. They're getting behind you. They're encouraging you. And I love to think of the hosts of heaven doing exactly that. So as you're running your race, as you're going through the storms, going through the good times, wherever it is, the hosts of heaven are cheering you on. And really, yeah, open yourself up to that support and and use that as evidence to kind of keep you running so how we react and get through our storm speaks volumes to people around us and that's something I don't think we necessarily think about when you're in the middle of the storm you're not kind of thinking oh I wonder how I'm looking you know to people but as you go through the process of, of going through the storm people are looking and watching and observing and just living life and getting on and focusing on God, people will observe and take note of what you're doing. Don't forget to make time to deal with any pain and disappointment that you get along the way. It will happen, and it's important that we just take time to process that so that we can move on sort of helpfully without being sort of bound down by it. The good news about storms is the more storms that you've walked with God, um the shorter the recovery time comes. And I know that's a little consolation because we'd probably rather have no storms. But actually, the more we do this, the more we get tuned into God and walk through storms with him, we can actually kind of get over them a little bit quicker each time and we get stronger and it builds our faith. We need to keep believing in the one who can calm the storm. So keep believing in the midst of the storm when everything's raging that God can calm your storm and he will. If we're not only going to make it through the storm, but arrive at the shore stronger, we must remember that God will never abandon us. We must remember that he holds us in his hands. So those are our five points. Um, And, yeah, we've looked at those five ways that we can stay rooted in Christ and bearing fruit, even when we're going through stormy times. I just encourage you, if, if anything's kind of come to mind as you've been sitting here, do write it down, because you know as you move through... Um, Yeah, things kind of get lost along the way. So the five things that we looked at, we looked at getting your thinking straight, getting stuck into God's family, steadying on and sinking those anchors to keep us steady, getting stuck into God and just keeping going and keeping our eyes forward on where we're going. And just to finish, I've got some verses and things that I found helpful. And these are all on your handout. So I'm just going to read... Um, The references are there, I'm just going to read some of them out. So Psalm 91, which again I've already referenced. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I just love that. There's so much in there. I could read the whole thing, but you can read it at your leisure. Um, In 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Ephesians 6 talks about the armour of God. I'll let you read that at your leisure. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus um colossians 1 what else have we got in here that's the verse about bearing fruit in every good work that we heard earlier colossians 2 there's lots here so then just as you receive christ jesus as lord continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness And the last verse is 2 Thessalonians 2. Now may the God of peace give you peace at all times in every way. There's so many there that are just so, so helpful, so much to get stuck into. And I just wanted to finish by reading um, some more of those words from that Simon Brading song, um, You Never Change. So if you can, it's probably easier if you can sing it in your head. But anyway, I'll read the words. There's safety in your name, comfort for my soul. If all around should change, your character is sure. Fountain in the drought, anchor in the storm, you're with me, you're faithful, you're good. I can see your word, the power of your name, teaching me your heart so I can trust your ways. Every time I dare to trust in you again, you show me you're faithful, you're good. You never change, you never faint, you never falter you stay the same through every drought or rising waters when I can't see how to make it through I'm holding on to who you are my god the same forever when I don't understand everything I see your promises remain just as true for me all you showed me once is all your who you always be you're constant you're faithful you're good so I choose to believe you for good and it is a choice isn't it steady my heart steady my soul you're the lord you're faithful steady my heart steady my soul you're good and that's so true isn't it it's yeah i love that